Happy Wednesday, everybody. It's me, House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And me, WWE Creative Issues, Robert Karpolis. And welcome back to another episode of Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. We are so excited to have you here, just like our good friend Mike Milaro here in the comments section saying, Happy Wednesday. You could be like Mike. You could jump into the chat room. You can let us know your thoughts as we go along with the show here today. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Mercedes Monet, Andrade, MJF, and Abushi's injuries. Kevin Dunn leaving WWE, Trinity Fatu's future, WWE NXT, and the Velveteen Dream. Or I should say Velveteen Dream. He put out this bizarre apology letter yesterday, or video yesterday, that we're going to dissect and discuss a little bit about here uh, tomorrow uh, later. And if we have time, at the end of the show, perhaps we will have some time to discuss Billy Corgan and the CW. I'm not sure if we'll get to it, but we'll do our best here today, Robert. Look, we'll see. Yesterday was our most viewed episode ever, and I think the big feedback was, can we hear about Billy and the CW? So tune in today. Maybe we're going to get to it. Uh, we'll we'll find out as my my co-host who was trending worldwide yesterday because people were so excited about uh, hearing our potential Kevin Dunn stories today. Yes, absolutely. Uh, a melancholy trend for sure. Well, uh, let's get into it. Uh, we're going to start with some news uh, about uh, some free agents here. Before we get into the Kevin Dunn stuff, we'll let people kind of come on in here today, fill up the chat room. Uh, before we get into the news, I really love this comment here from I am Mr. Cheeseball Productions saying, good morning, gents. Hoping Nick can get an amazing Chicago-style dog today, and Robert gets whatever he enjoys for lunch. You know, a Chicago-style dog actually sounds pretty good for lunch today. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I've got, uh, got leftover pizza. This is this is what we're talking about here, guys. There is so much news to talk about. We're talking about cooking leftover pizza after this meeting. Sorry, uh, let's right. uh, let's get to okay. it. There's free agents abound out there yes, in please. wrestling. Nick, where are they going to land? Well, we're going to find out maybe as soon as tonight. Arguably the largest free agent in all of professional wrestling, Mercedes Monet. Metaphorically the largest. She's the biggest free agent. Uh, Mercedes Monet, seven feet tall. Uh, Fightful reporting that uh, despite a lot of rumor and innuendo that looked like she was heading back to WWE, uh, those talks are no longer uh, happening, and she is now expected to debut elsewhere imminently. Um, So the speculation obviously here is that She's AEW bound. A lot of people think she's AEW bound. Again, maybe as soon as tonight, the first Dynamite of 2023 or 2024. There were even people that thought she could be the devil at AEW World's End. That didn't come together, sadly. Um, but what are your thoughts here on, on Mercedes Monet? So I'm a little surprised she didn't wind up in WWE. Now, we haven't. nothing has happened yet, so she could still theoretically wind up there. I know that her asking price was higher than what they had just paid for Charlotte. Uh, and they probably were were weighing the options of do we pay her this and set a precedent that we're going to start paying this amount of money going forward, or are we going to just go with who we've got and build on them? AEW clearly needs another big, splashy name to debut. I know they were teasing Mariah May as making her in-ring debut tonight, so maybe the mm-hmm. idea is she comes out, here comes her opponent, it's Mercedes Monet, boom, you've got a big match right there. But again... Who knows? It's it's AEW. Uh, you, you can never be too sure. It was interesting last night on NXT, for those of you that checked it out, Roxanne Perez has started using like a Banks statement style <laughs> submission finisher, which she used in her match against Ariana uh, Grace, not Ariana Grande. Uh, draw what you will from that. But I did find it interesting that uh, a star from NXT now using Sasha Banks' finisher uh, down there in the yellow and black brand. 
I don't know. It's a special degree of uh, of, of controversy and, and conspiracy theory and tinfoil hat that I'm hey, not quite ready to get to just yet. But look, if if she's if Mercedes Monet does sign with AEW, you immediately have established more credibility in your women's division than than you have right now. Her and Tony Storm would absolutely be a major. I think that's a kind of match that you could theoretically headline your next pay per view with. And have they headlined a pay per view with a women's match yet? I, I genuinely can't remember. They've done ROH pay-per-views. Obviously, I think the most recent ROH pay-per-view was main evented by women, but I do not believe there's been an AEW pay-per-view yet that's been main evented by women. People are welcome to fact check me in the comment section, but I know they've had dynamites and other big TV events headlined by women. To, I don't believe a pay-per-view. I think Mercedes and Tony is a strong enough match that you could absolutely headline a show with it. And I think the fans would welcome it and accept it. Yeah. No, the thing here about the women is, and just AEW in general, it's all about the stories being told, right? Like, again, we've seen people come into AEW that just didn't click or whatever for some reason. It's taken a while for them to find their footing or, or maybe never find their footing. Mercedes is a big deal. Um, that first pairing, that first story right out of the gate, um, it's got to be one that you feel pretty confident in, you know, because um, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to bungle this one with Mercedes Monet if you're going to bring her in. Well, it gives people a reason to tune into Dynamite tonight. Uh, because, yes, there's fallout from World's End. We now know who the devil is. I don't think we're going to see Max on there tonight or for a while, it sounds like, but we'll get to that in a little bit uh, later. Uh, I know there's a couple other free agent names floating around there, Nick. Oh, yeah. Well, Fightful also reporting here that Andrade is apparently making a less than pleasant exit from AEW. Now, this was reported just before World's End. Uh, Tony Khan confirmed during the World's End uh, media scrum that Andrade is going to be leaving the company. He's going to become a free agent here. Uh, apparently, Andrade let it be known to everyone at the Dynamite taping a week ago that he was going uh, away. Uh, expected back in WWE when his contract is up, presumably sometime this spring. But I think his contract's up, so I don't really know what this line is about. Um, but then over on X, Andrade posted a thank you message uh, from uh, to AEW confirming his exit. So last night on NXT, again, buzzy episode of NXT, they were teasing a former world champion who's going to come back on the show. I was leaving it open that it could be Andrade, but it was uh, it was eventually Kevin Owens they brought back. But uh, Andrade, the other big free agent, I guess you're on the market right now. Yeah, and I think when he does return to WWE, it'll be a big story. It'll be a big moment. And I think that one of the things Hunter has shown of late is his ability to handle a number of different wrestlers who fit the same niche. And before it was, well, we have our one Lucha guy. So, or like in this case, Santos Escobar. So we can't have Andrade because the audience might get confused. I think Hunter realizes the crowd is a lot more sophisticated. They can differentiate and accept those nuances. I don't quite get how Andrade saying he's going to be leaving backstage was highly controversial or leaving in the wrong way. It's not like he was saying it on social media and saying like X number of days and then I'm gone. And I know he posted that that big thank you on, on social media after about leaving. But sometimes you can rub somebody the wrong way or, or throw it in their face like I can't wait to get the hell out of here. And people are like, all right, well, you know, to hell with you. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see what happens if he comes back to WWE. Obviously, the LWO seems to be where all the top Latino talent is landing these days. It's really it is. It's starting to feel like the NWO. It's a big faction, right? A lot of twisted turns. Could be spinoff groups here pretty soon. Uh, I do wonder if he'll wind up over there. Obviously, Zelina Vega currently with the LWO, which is who he was paired with for the majority of his last run. Um, 
and with Charlotte Flair out injured, it's not like you could easily bring him in and do something with his wife or something. It just feels like the LWO is the, the softest landing place to kind of get him back into the mix over there at the moment. I'll, I'll agree to disagree just because I think if the inclination is just we put Andrade with the LWO simply because of his heritage, you can put him on Raw and he is immediately a top contender for Gunther. And I think mm-hmm. that is appealing. And let Andrade stand on his own. You still have, you know, Santos Escobar and his faction going up against the LWO, who got a nice boost from what we saw on NXT. Let Andrade do his own thing over on Raw. And he is absolutely someone who can get a great match at a Gunther and check off that intercontinental box of a, a global sort of superstar. All right. Well, somebody it doesn't look like we're going to see uh, on AEW TV here for at least a little while, perhaps, is, is MJF. Now, the Wrestling Observer saying that his shoulder injury is so severe right now uh, that he will likely uh, require surgery, but he could also choose to maybe just rehab through it. Either way, it looks like it's going to be a lengthy amount of time off. He's not expected for tonight's Dynamite by any stretch to kind of even just appear as a figure who, who lost the title. And with him no longer on the AEW roster page and the comments he's made about how we're going to have so many questions around his contract, it would seem that this is what we all thought was going to happen here. Max taking time away and just kind of trying to put some mystique, some mystery uh, around himself while he's unable to to appear on AEW TV for the time being. Narratively speaking, it makes sense for Max to be off television. He lost his title. He lost his title in such a way where he was a broken man. He literally got choked out. He, he There was no fight left in his body because of everything the devil put him through, all these different people coming after his title, coupled with the fact that you reveal that Adam Cole was the devil, and now his one friend in the world has stabbed him in the back. I personally hope that he chooses surgery over the rehab just because if you're not doing everything you can to repair yourself, you do run the risk of hurting yourself more. On the other hand, he has eloquently said it on air. He's the most entertaining thing on your show. And if he's gone, who's going to step up and replace him? Yeah, a a great question, right? I mean, who is that person to fill that MJF void right now uh, that has that kind of popularity? I mean, Tony Storm is kind of a bit of lightning in the bottle right now. Swerve Strickland is certainly lightning in a bottle right now. I really wish they hadn't done him the way they did at World's End because I think he was the one that was really being positioned to fill that void and connect with that audience. The guy that I would love to see in that spot is Will Ospreay, but we don't get him until March or or possibly April. But he is the charismatic talker, in-ring performer guy who people can get excited about as being new, but yet also an established star that people can really gravitate to. I just don't know who Kenny's obviously on the shelf. You can't you can't lean on Kenny. I just don't know who's going to fill that vacuum that that exists right now with MJF on the shelf, whether it's for weeks or months. Yeah. Um, well, ho- hey, they're hoping Samoa Joe, right? They're they're putting the title on him. They're hoping this devil storyline grabs people. Both of those were just announced this morning for what it's worth. Appearances from Joe and the devil. And again, like it hasn't been everybody's cup of tea, but that whole devil storyline Drove a lot of traffic. That was the thing that had a lot of people's attention. Good, bad, or indifferent wrestling storylines, even in AEW, where a lot of their fan base covets in-ring performance over everything else, storylines do get people to tune in. They get them excited. What I think is curious is the foil to the devil and his faction was MJF, and now MJF is gone, and the devil and his group don't control the title. Joe does, and Joe is was very much a heel, at that pay-per-view 
do you now big show him and switch him back? And now you have, you know, Adam Cole and that group going after him. Is there somebody else they're going to be targeting? A lot of questions, a lot of reasons to tune in to see what's going on with uh, with Dynamite. And I know they announced, I want to say Danny Garcia and Swerve, I think yes. is the, the match no. that they've announced for it. And no. they've also announced uh, Dante Danny Martin. Garcia. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, Dan yes and, you're right. Uh, I got, I got Dante you. Martin and Orange Cassidy. So there is the, look, my, my hope at this point, because you really need to put steam behind this new group. Uh, Roderick Strong and the Kingdom were seen as, you know, comedy heels for the last several months. They're walking around with a stuffed giraffe. You're doing all the next stuff. You need to make them absolute killer monsters. My guess is Dante Martin and Orange Cassidy match people are excited about babyface, babyface. You have the devil and his crew just come in and destroy everybody, rip mm -hmm. up the ring Nexus style. And now it's we are the group controlling everything and we're taking over AEW. They, they really need to stamp their flag here to save this. Well, one name uh, we won't be seeing in AEW tonight, maybe for a little while here, is the final E in AEW. Uh, Kota Ibushi, Hochi in Japan, uh, reporting that he injured both his ankles during a big NOAA match uh, two nights ago. Uh, he requested an ambulance for the match or after the match after being in extreme pain. The story itself is crazy because it says he injured both his ankles like very early in the match and then proceeded to wrestle for half an hour and try to walk it off backstage and then couldn't and finally caved. He said he needed an ambulance. If he broke both of his ankles and wrestled for a half hour, that's just absolute insanity, man. That is the that's warrior stuff right there. That is adrenaline flowing through your body, but it it highlights something I had talked about before when we were talking about the uh, the All Japan relationship with WWE and, oh, are we going to see more crossover? If I'm WWE or AEW, I don't love the fact that my wrestlers are wrestling elsewhere because there's a possibility they could get hurt, not on my dime. And Kota Ibushi, I believe, is now officially, he's, he's officially signed to AEW, right? He is. He's officially signed. Like I said, he's the last. He's the last member of the elite in AEW. Yep. You know, at least because Kenny's sick, and then the Bucks and Hangman Page are just not on TV for whatever reason right now. Was odd that when they showed the montage of all the stuff the Devil did, I don't think they showed them putting Hangman through a car through the windshield. They showed oh, really? kind of everybody else. I don't remember seeing anything with with Hangman, but I guess Hangman did get attacked by them. Maybe he's going to be the conquering hero that's going to step up tonight and go after uh, Cole and the group. Sure. Him in the dark order, right? Even the why, odds. Why do this to them? Um, <laughs> I feel like there was one more free agent. I'm using that to try to pivot to talk about the other company. We will. We, we will. We will. You, more. you got the run sheet, dude. You're piloting well, this thing. We can jump ahead. That's fine. We'll do the fight. For what, no, 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 no. We're talking free agents. I, I did the run sheet incorrectly. I didn't lump everything together correctly. I should have put this all into one section. You're right. Uh, Fightful reported Trinity Fatu expected to wrap up with TNA very soon, return to WWE. There were talks with her coming back to WWE about a year ago that fell apart because apparently at the time the company was under an unofficial freeze on hiring, um, which was, of course, because they were waiting for the uh, UFC WWE merger to go through to form TKO, and they didn't want to add any extra expenses while things were being whatever finalized. But now that that is behind us and they are re-signing talent again, it would seem that Trinity will find herself back at WWE. And, you know, with Mercedes Monet not heading back and, you know, it doesn't look like you'll be able to bring them back into the women's division, at least if we are to believe the rumor and innuendo as it stands. It's been a lot of people have been waiting for the bloodline to to welcome Trent, I feel like, into that mix. You know, it would make it, you know, I guess because she's married to Jimmy, right? She's married to Jimmy. 
Yeah, and Jimmy's still in the bloodline, right? For now. For now. Um, I just think that it would be I think it would be refreshing to see a woman in that mix. Um, and could bring some new life to it. I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't just I mean, I, I do in the sense that yes, I would love to see a, a a female component in the bloodline. The problem that they have is on SmackDown, damage control is this monster heel stable, and you need a strong baby face to go up against them. Where Trinity would be strongest and best used right now is the the person to challenge Rhea going into the Royal Rumble because Rhea beat Ivy Nile on on day one and the crowd was almost entirely behind Rhea Ripley. They were not supporting Ivy Nile as the plucky underdog babyface, but you can't turn Rhea babyface because her mystique right now is in being this evil controlling leader of New Day and you need to keep her heel going up to mania where it seems most likely that she'll face Becky Lynch. That seems to be your, your women's mania match. So putting an exciting new baby face in there to face Rhea on raw Trinity Fatu would absolutely fill that void. And the crowd, because she's new, she's a baby face. She's someone they love and are excited about. They will cheer her against Rhea and want to see her win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, that's a very good point. You know, uh, I just must, I just think it would be nice to see her in the bloodline. That's just personal opinion on my part. Um, all right, let's get to the big to-do. The thing I've been waiting to talk to you about, Robert, and maybe that's why I was shuffling to get to this. Uh, there was a huge figure that left WWE. Uh, he's been a part of the company for 40 years. Uh, PW Insider was the first to report that Kevin Dunn is no longer with WWE, or I believe he's left, I believe he's left at this point. Uh, Fightful uh, put out uh, first the memo that Nick Khan issued internally, confirming the departure of Dunn. Now, you had a chance to work with Kevin. Uh, Robert, talk to us a little bit about uh, the role Kevin Dunn has played in WWE history and what his exit really means to the company. You just hate to see it. You hate to see a good guy just gone in the prime of his career. Um, Look, Kevin Dunn, for a lot of us, is the reason you became a wrestling fan. The production style that he put together made WWE look like it belonged on a national platform. Part of the reason why I studied television production in the first place were a lot of the things that Kevin Dunn put in place. Those video packages at the beginning of Raw, the slick presentation, the lighting, the before he started with a million one camera cuts, you watched it. There was a cinematic quality what WWE was doing that if you watch the NWA or the AWA or eventually WCW, they never got to that level. Kevin Dunn was absolutely the secret weapon. The problem with Dunn was he maintained this, this iron vice-like grip over all of production, and he had Vince's ear, and he would give his input that was antithetical to what everybody else wanted. He was resistant to a lot of change. There were a lot of wrestlers and wrestler body types that he did not like. He was not a fan of Christian. I loved getting to work with Christian. I was at WWE. I loved getting to do some of the peep show stuff, but I knew if I'm sitting there saying, hey, we should strap the rocket to Christian, it's a great way to turn around and and get your your water cut off. (laughs) Kevin had what he liked, the body types that he knew Vince liked. He would pump it up and say, yeah, you want those strong, muscle-bound, Hogan-style guys, not the smaller guys, not the more nimble guys, not the indie guys. And working with him on the production side, a lot of people butted heads with Kevin, and Kevin was not going anywhere. He was the boulder 
that you're trying to push up the mountain like Sisyphus, but he isn't going anywhere. And the number of text messages that I got from former colleagues rejoicing and celebrating the fact that Kevin Dunn is gone is extremely long. Mike Mansuri, who I know loved his time with Kevin, he and I have different opinions in terms of our working relationship with Kevin. The idea for a while, they thought that Mike was going to step up and take Kevin's spot when Kevin left. That obviously did not happen. Now Mansuri running things in AEW. I'm curious who is going to fill that void. Kevin built a wonderful template for how to do this programming, but I think you're now going to see a lot of the new and different voices that Hunter's willing to listen to, whether that is Jeremy Borash and his influence in NXT, Rob Fee and the fantastic work that he's doing there, or a number of other really creative, interesting production people who are going to get to bring a lot of different perspectives to WWE, and I think the product's going to be better for it. Kind of, uh, you brought up Rob Fee. He's the one I kind of thought would step into it. JB is J, J Borash is very very talented when it comes to production. I mean, all of the very uh, unique kind of Hardy compound stuff and all the stuff that you really enjoyed uh, from that kind of cinematic era. That was all JB, right? Like he's got a mind for presentation, but he's also just got a mind for the business that I don't think that Hunter would want to take away from just the day-to-day -day kind of creative duties of what he's doing down in NXT or beyond. So oh, yeah. I, Rob, Rob, well, I don't think like you're gonna, Grimm. So I don't think know? not, not to speak for, for Rob. He's a great guy. I've known Rob for a while, but I don't want to speak for him. I think he's very happy doing the, the vignettes, the, the long-term plot to be the guy sitting in the chair in the truck and calling out uh, camera cuts. That's a very demanding job. And I'm sure there's a lot of really skilled, a lot of talented people who were there who were ready to step up into that position. Uh, personally, look, I'm just, ha Kevin has, a, uh, has people like him. He has a lot of detractors, mainly people who worked with him over the years. Uh, and I think that you're going to see a, a chance for the WWE product to be freshened up in a way that you really haven't seen before. Um, Cadillac Carson here in the comment section asking about Kevin Dunn. I heard he wasn't a fan of Becky Lynch. Uh, Robert, is there any chance that you know if that is true or not? I wasn't there when, when Becky was there. I can see why he may have you know, detracted with, with Becky, whether it's the, the accent or Lord knows, maybe he doesn't like red hair. He may have his own picadillos in the way Vince doesn't let you yawn. Um, yeah, Kevin Dunn. And I know when I was there, uh, John Gaborik big, who was his friend, who was one of the other heads there, they were doing the diva search and we had certain mm -hmm. archetypes of what we were looking for, for there. And Jim Ross always says they want athletic tens. They want a lingerie model who can go out there and perform in the ring. I mean, Maxine Dupree right now is sort of the the template of what would make Kevin Dunn and, and John Gaborik super happy. I can see Becky Lynch not necessarily fitting that mold that he has in his mind and him saying, this isn't someone I can get behind. I'm just sorry. It's the last time I'm doing it today. I promise. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. You you worked with the oh, band. Right? I'm absolutely going to do it again. Yeah, you know, do do everyone. The Rock was out there impersonating Iron Sheik on Monday night. Let's just get into it, right? Um, uh, it was great when he did that. Last, uh, I'll take one more here from the comment section. Talking Twins MLB podcast. Uh, facts. WWE video production during Attitude sold the product as much as the storylines. And I think it's a very really valid point. You know, for all the changes they made during the Attitude era, um, really changing up the, the production, the presentation of the product, moving more into that kind of dark, uh, uh, dark red and black um, kind of color scheme. Uh, definitely made the, the product feel different and it definitely felt elevated. You got the big Titan Tron coming in and stuff. I mean, there were a lot of big changes made during the Attitude Era that really certainly helped the company uh, weather that storm. 
There were. And it was, I mean, you had Dave Zahadi, you had Adam Panucci, you had a murderer's row of behind the scenes production folks who were churning out a really fantastic mm -hmm. product on there. Kevin was the guy at the at the helm. So, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, he gets the credit. Um, oh, and our good friend, the Blue Meanie, Brian Heffron here in the comment section today. Would Marty Miller be the next logical replacement? I'll throw that one to you, Robert. Sure. Again, I you know I don't know what's necessarily going on behind the scenes. Who was who was sitting next to to Kevin and absorbing all that? Uh, you never know who's going to wind up stepping into that spot. I don't. And this is a position they haven't been in in forty years. We're in a world where there's no Kerwin Sophies. There's no uh, Kevin Dunn. Uh, it's a it's a brave new world. The advantage is. The, the formatting, the run sheet, the template that Kevin and them built is kind of universally accepted across all of wrestling. It's how AEW formats their shows, how TNA formats their shows. It's how when we were in MLW, we formatted our shows. So they built that blueprint, and whoever steps in there, I don't think is going to totally upend the apple cart. We're not suddenly going to get a different hard cam. Uh, it's going to, for the most part, look a lot the same, but I think they're going to give uh, different people different styles, different uh, techniques to try. Awesome. Hey, and uh, by the way, thanks for stopping by, Meanie. It's always great. I'm always happy that you're here. Appreciate Those of you listening on audio, Nick is dancing. He's not <laughs> hyperventilating. It's just from I'm an audio it. perspective. It sounds like you're. Just please stop. It's disturbing. I can't. I, I can't do. I can't. I can't. I can't talk about Meanie without doing the blue Meanie dance. Um, I, can, I can, and I'm not. So. So speaking about fun stuff, last night on NXT, uh, I've already actually kind of covered most of the stuff that uh, that happened on NXT I had saved for this block but there was one thing I just wanted to bring up uh, Carlito stepped in for Dragon Lee by the way I was able to say to people earlier in the night earlier in the day that Dragon Lee's passport issues were valid not a storyline he wasn't going to be on the show then he wasn't on the show he did get replaced by Carlito and they did this spot that has gone viral where yeah. Joaquin Wilde is on the second rope and um, Carlito's on one side you got Cruz del Toro on the other side and they pop him off into the air and he flies. And he, he goes like 15 feet, falls into the no catch, uh, no quarter catch crew. And it was just beautiful. Now, I've seen a lot of people saying that they've never seen this spot before. And I don't know that I've seen it that often, but I I think this is a Lucha spot. Like I think this is a not uncommon move down in Mexico, but I could be wrong. I was just impressed it got pulled out here for sure. It was beautiful. It was very well done. I've never seen it done uh, personally before. I thought it looked amazing. I love that WWE tweeted it. I love that Hunter retweeted it and put a, a shine on it. I think there was some concern that Joaquin Wilde and, and Cruz del Toro, they were getting kind of marginalized in the LWO storyline. We really hadn't seen them wrestle a lot. I think this sort of buzzworthy moment is going to put a spotlight on those guys, and we'll see a lot more of them, especially as we go into this new feud with uh with garza and umberto carrillo uh with a couple minutes here left to uh, go let's talk about the two most uncomfortable stories of the past 48 hours one of them happened in the last 24 hours uh the one that happened last 24 was the instagram uh video that velveteen dream aka patrick clark jr uh put out yesterday it was about four minutes long he apologized to wwe he apologized to triple h he apologized to Shawn michaels and others did not explicitly, in my opinion, get into what he was apologizing for. And I, I think there were a lot of people that were unhappy that he did not address his alleged victims in any way uh, in this apology. Um, I It didn't do anything for me, just like it didn't do anything for, for a lot of people. Uh, 
what did you think of, of Patrick Clark's attempt to, uh, I guess, get a conversation around himself started? It came across less as a man with with genuine contrition for what occurred and more quasi Kevin Spacey's Christmas message vibe. Uh, it was, I'm sorry for what happened. I'm going to name the people who are hiring. I'm going to apologize to them directly and talk about how great they are. Please maybe take me back. That was yes. the, that was the feeling and the vibe I got from that. He is definitely going to be one of those guys over the years that you realize he could have been something so much bigger than he wound up becoming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, it's just, Hey, watch yourself with outside the ring behaviors. You know, a lot of, a lot of stuff got going with dream, you know, then you saw the rat arrest the last couple years, right. That were not a great look for him. And, you know, it's just, I just don't think that he picked the right tact here. I just don't think it was the right set of words. I don't think it was the right apology. And I just, I don't know that what will come of this. I will say that apparently he reached out to several or he or his team reached out to several members of the media. Um, and I guess he's going to be doing some interviews here soon that will be passed around. Um, I was not contacted to interview dream. I would have declined that opportunity, but uh, just so everyone knows, Velveteen Dream and his team did not reach out to Nick Hausman to have a frank discussion about the allegations against him. So there you go. Um, lastly, here in our miscellaneous section, this is just pure mud show, 100% all the way. If you just love dirty sheets and rolling in the mud, you're going to love this one. About a week ago, Greg Hammer Valentine does this podcast where he calls Brutus Beefcake's wife, who has Missy Beefcake on social media, an effing C word on the record right <laughs> proudly on the record her response a week later was to release a pair of videos where he used uh the f word a homophobic slur uh on two occasions um and it's very tough to watch um it is just um literally just a mud show and uh of course i think we're all very disappointed in in, in greg's behavior here on this one and i you know don't know what there is to come of it with him at this point in his career but Felt like calling out, calling it out when we saw it, and yeah, it is a super messy situation over there. It would seem with Beefcake and, and Valentine. I am shocked and horrified. Greg Valentine has a podcast. I, uh, he was on a podcast. I believe oh, he was, was on a podcast. I believe it was wrestling shoot interviews, if not, if I'm not mistaken, that he did those comments on. Oh, I, I really hope that there was some kind of like nailed it with Greg Valentine podcast. Conrad, you're leaving money on the table. Uh, this is yeah, this is weird and ugly and is going to pay off at a at a high school gym uh, somewhere soon down the line. So book beefcake versus uh, Valentine and uh, you're going to do some numbers, folks. Yeah, it was I the first event I ever covered like convention. It was called Geek Fest and he was on like a panel and somebody asked him what he thought they, what he thought of the like women's revolution. And he said something like I liked it better when they were barefoot in the kitchen and like people kind of like half laughed but he didn't really say it in like a funny way it was, most, it was one of the most bizarre one of the most bizarre experiences i've ever had in a room at a panel discussion i'll say that so that's the beauty of the old timers they just don't care all right well hey we are at time for today half hour of power in the books i want to thank everybody for jumping into the comment section here thank you everybody for tuning in live we'll be back tomorrow and friday we got two more episodes of rumor in a window here uh, to go this week. We may have a special guest on Friday that I'm working on nailing down uh, right now. So uh, we will hopefully have an update on that tomorrow. Uh, but of course, if you like the show, head over to the podcast feed, 
Leave us a nice comment. Leave us a five-star review. All that stuff helps elevate us up the podcast charts. Uh, we are seeing record viewership across the board right now for the show. We really appreciate it. We're hoping to give you guys the show that you want. So uh, that's it for me. I'm Nick Hausman over at houseofwrestling.com. And on behalf of the worldwide trending sensation, Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Karpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors.